Hello everyone, welcome to episode 42 of The Pursuit of Love. Darcy Smythe here, joined by my business partner, Steve Clayton. What's up, Yo. Steve? Yo, how, you how doing? you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to this chat. It's going to be a good one. Absolutely. Yes. Matt, how you doing? Matt Goal, everyone? Fantastic. Excellent. And we're joined by our guest this week, Mr. Samuel Kent. Now, hey guys. for those, I, I think there'll be a few people listening to this uh, episode, Sam, from a previous world of ours. But uh, Sam, you and I have been good friends for how long now? Maybe five, six years? Yeah, like about five, five or six years. Yeah. And uh, we have enjoyed the business journey together. We have had many a deep chat together and we've had one too many cigars and red wines at 2.30 a.m., which I haven't paid for yet, but I'm going to pay for the day I'm 68, go to the hospital, go to the doctors. And he's like, yeah, your lungs are wrecked. And you're like, ah, yeah, I know what that's from. That was back from when I was with this guy called Sam Kent when I was 21. So that's, that's how we know you. And that's how you're introduced to this podcast. You feel good? Yeah, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it, bro. Uh, man, how you doing? What's been happening? How's how's business during COVID and uh, and life in general? What's been going on? Yeah, man, it's awesome. It's going really well. And surprisingly, I mean, I'm in an industry that's not too affected by by COVID, fortunately. So we've been we've been cruising, rock and rolling, and and stuff's been actually pretty good for us. So absolutely no complaints whatsoever. Um, I know it's been a pretty hard time for a lot of people and definitely not for us. So that's, that's the good news. That's good, man. Now, for those that don't know, it's uh, solar. Yeah. Solar installation. Yeah. Et cetera. Or has it expanded since last time we spoke? Yeah, it's definitely, it's solar, uh, 90% and renewable energy. So people that are off the grid living off batteries and, and the power from the sun, it's, it's a pretty cool space to be in. And, and that's it. About a hundred percent of our business now is actually renewables. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, nice. Because I think the last time we were catching up, bro, like we we're having a, a cheeky pie in a pub in Melbourne. I think it's the first time I met you. Um, the journey of your business has been one of ups and downs by the sounds of things. And it's so good to hear that you're, you're on a major, a major up. Um, but do you want to go back, peel back the layers of the onion and tell us how this whole thing kicked off? How did you start? How did you get into business? Oh, that sort of jazz. I want to hear the story. Yeah, man. Well, it's business, I think, something that um, ever since I was in, in school, uh, I had a business with a friend of mine, bootlegging, burning CDs. So I think that it's one of those things that, you know, you see it at a young age and you don't realize that it's a part of your character until you, you grow up and it, it, it goes along with who you are. So we had, my friend and I, since we were about eight years old, we probably, we probably had about... Um, I don't know, five or six businesses together through high school and they all failed miserably. So we had a bootlegging business, a, a, like a like a clothing business. We were in a band together, which we was, could be considered some sort of business, but there was a whole range of things we did. What was your teenage did. band name? Yeah, name. What was your uh, teenage band name? It was My Lazy Sundays. And if, if you know the <laughs> website. That's so bad. I like that. Was, um, <laughs> I'll back that. Yeah, well, if you look up the website, it's actually um, – Obviously, you're a bit edgy as a teenager, and the website was a bunch of 80 year old dudes all making out. Oh, <laughs> and that's we thought that was, that was somehow edgy enough to, to, to warrant a band name. So that's, um, that's where that came from. Um, yeah, and that was a journey all through, all, through, all through life, really, having those businesses on the side and, and none of them going too well. And then finishing up school, Das, you and I worked together shortly after that for, for 
about two years, I think. Where were you? What were Yarkin's you? What, about two years. What were you yeah. doing? What Dust? What would you say? We yeah. sales together at yeah. TCI. Yeah. How would you describe it, yeah. Dust? Both in sales roles. I would describe it as uh, an experience. I would describe it as um, uh, working for the Coaching Institute, which is a, a coaching college in Melbourne. And I, when I was in student support and help and helping people upgrade into new courses, Sam was signing new students into the course. Um, and I think we started out in similar roles, Sam, but you move more focused onto purely selling, uh, probably about six months into the journey, I'd say. Is that Yeah, right? absolutely, man. I mean, I remember I did my interview and I got, in, I got introduced to Darcy after I was successful in the interview. And I really wanted to remember his name because I wanted to make a good impression when I was, I was actually starting a couple of months later, I think, or a couple of weeks later. And I had this memory in my head of this blonde dude. And so the day first day I rocked up, there was this guy, uh, kind of slightly overweight blonde guy smoking a cigarette out the front. I'm like, that must be Darcy. <laughs> Wasn't Darcy. <laughs> but luckily I got actually introduced back to Darcy. When I walked in, you actually said, hi, it's Darcy. I thought you've ruined it. I remembered your name for absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it turns out i'm an extremely underweight yeah exactly but yeah, yeah. No, i just remembered the blonde hair but it was funny man and, and you know from that time working together and um we were kind of in similar roles and then different roles but always had a very similar interest um outside of i guess just just purely um the dollars and cents side of business and sort of what underlies a lot more of what drives us towards why we do the things that we do and i think that's definitely the common interest between the both of us that, that connected us. And it's definitely been the theme of our, our friendship has been, well, you ask some pretty crazy questions and have some pretty interesting thoughts about how things work. And yeah, I think we're pretty similar in that way. And, and I've enjoyed a lot of those chats we've had together of going deeper on a lot of the issues and a lot of the things that are behind the scenes with why things are the way that they are. Mm. Yeah, man. I'll mm. back that for sure. For sure. Nice. And then how did you go from selling coaching programs to now being in an electrical business in a renewables business how did that how that all come about yeah absolutely so i was an electrician during my time at tci so i had that qualification and towards the end of my time at tci i was in touch with this guy i went to school with and had all these businesses with and he was an electrician too funnily enough and he he had his own small business that was not doing very well without me. I continually remind him. Um, but <laughs> then um, I said, look, I kept, I kept saying, look, let's team up. Let's do something. Um, I've got the sales side a little bit more under control now. You've got the technical side. And he knows what I'm like. And a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial people are like this, where they jump from sort of, uh, they jump from idea to idea. And he, he was wondering if that was a similar thing. He was wondering if it was kind of like the high school days where we were jumping from business to business. But, you know, after a while I said, look, you hang on to your side of the business. I don't want any of it. We'll just start together on a new thing and we'll see how that goes. And anyway, within a week, he'd given me uh, what small part of the business he'd already established and we teamed up. And over the course of a couple of years, it became more and more into renewables, which we had both spent time doing during our apprenticeships. And it naturally evolved uh, down that path as time went by. And, Look, the business was no different to high school. It failed multiple times and and had to be reinvented and rechanged to to be what it is today. But that theme of failure was 
was definitely common even even when we got back together and, and still is to today. I think failures are always going to be a big part of business. Mm. This is Ross, yeah? Yeah, this is this Ross. Is so, yeah, you, yeah, you know yeah, Ross. Yeah. 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 That's the interesting part about it, man. Like I think that is the side that not many people talk about when it comes to entrepreneurial ventures, business, you know, creative people. Um is the actual fundamental importance of failure. Mm. You know, it seems to be that those that embrace failures or maybe even get their own definition of failure. But for me, anyway, I love making heaps of stuff that doesn't work, <laughs> you know, uh, creating heaps of content that doesn't land. You know, it's, I, I actually enjoy, I actually enjoy that process of it not working. I enjoy the suck. Uh, because it kind of motivates you to keep going. Is, are you a bit the same? Do you do you do you enjoy the failures, or is it something that you would like? How do you view it? Because it seems like it's a common theme, but most people would want to run from, like, run to the hills and go. Let's get rid of failure. But I don't know. The tone suggested otherwise. Can you can you peel back the layers for us? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a good question. I mean, I'd be fascinated to hear as well. Sort of in terms of your, when you say that you, you eat it up and you love failure, that's just so messed up. <laughs> it's such, a, it's such an unusual trait. And, um, to, to be, to be for failure, to be something that you're seeking out in a sort of a, a weird way. So in terms of, I guess, why I have that theme in my life, I hate failure. I don't enjoy it. I wouldn't say it's something that I, I love, but there's something funny about when you go out into the unknown, into, into, business or an adventure that's creative um, and you, you have no idea what you're in for. And there's something special about that. There's something special about taking those first steps into the unknown and beginning that journey. Um, obviously, it's a path where you discover a lot about yourself and about the world, which is somewhat of a reward in itself. But I think that ultimately, as you go into, that, into the unknown, failure is a guarantee, but you can't have the adventure without the failure. So I think that for me, it's not so much about loving the failure as much as much as it is about loving a grand narrative or about loving the adventure. And it can sound, a, I guess, a little bit wanky, a little bit over the top. But ultimately, when we're in our, our own businesses and we're in our own creative ventures, it is that journey into the unknown that is the excitement itself, the challenge and the, and the overcoming of the unknown, which while failure is inherent in that, also the, the greatest rewards in life are inherent in that. And I think it's a big uh, it's a big step that everybody should take in one way or another to take a step into the unknown um, on a regular basis and see what they discover either about themselves or about the world. Because while it's scary and failure sucks and I hate it, um, you know, it's part of failure is sort of part of the package of being able to experience some of those, some of those great things, but also to, to learn underlying lessons. And I think it's the lessons that underlie the failure that are, that are in themselves enough reward for the failure. I don't know if you can relate to that, Clay. I have a question about that. So I remember, so what you're talking about there is almost like, because that's, that's phenomenal stuff, Sam. That soliloquy was beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, like, that seems to be a a focus or a movement towards putting yourself through pain to later achieve pleasure, mm -hmm. right? Or something like this. And and I, because I'm similar, I I'm similar 
in uh, in the way that I approach that. Now, I remember I had an ex-partner and I'd never heard this before, but her dad said to me, and I'll never forget it because I'd never considered it before. He's like, you realize, Darcy, that's an extremely Christian way to view the world. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know whether that's true or not. This is why I'm throwing over the question, but we were inevitably probably going to go there with this podcast. We might be heading there a little bit earlier, Sam, because I know how important your faith is to you. Our listeners will know even, uh, very well how important Steve's faith is to him, both in the Christian yeah. sense. But is that is that true? Is that Do you think that is a very Christian way to see the world? Is that like a... Because I know I was I was baptized Christian Catholic. I don't practice it as such anymore. But surely, if we all sort of operate in a similar way, there may be something to it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look, it, it, it's a religious idea, absolutely, and it's 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 a story that's common across religions. The idea of um, of intentionally facing what's scary, intentionally putting yourself in the way of failure. So I think that yeah, absolutely, it's a religious idea, and it's a, it's a Christian idea, and. I mean, to use Christianity specifically, I mean, the, at the heart of the Christian message is, is sacrifice. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it's, I, don't, I think it's, a, it's, it's common across religions, but maybe, maybe not, maybe religion can't take the credit for it in that sense because it's, it's endemic to all religions, but maybe it's something that's embedded within us as humans, whether that's religious or otherwise, to, to go out and seek something mm. more, and put ourselves in harm's way to have a bit of a thrill or to learn a lesson or to bring back some something important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, there's definitely this common through line of a a narrative like quality to life, right? Like we're hearing a lot of people talking about the importance of story right now. Like story has very much infiltrated the business world. I reckon for a long time, story was reserved for the creative artists, you know, uh, writing, like the story was reserved for that, but now it's infiltrated the business world where stories now marketing stories, now sales. But I think you're touching on something there that is deeper. I think story is human. You know, it's something that we all, we go through, but you look at, every form of story there's that kind of hero's journey there's that arc into darkness depths despair and then the the rising of it you know that seems to be everything mm-hmm. that's every film matt makes that's every story everyone reads it's every film ever made that's everything it's that it's that <laughs> underlying arc it's the narrative of the the down and then the rise you mm-hmm. know and so I think, I think it isn't, I don't think it is just the Christian story. I think it's just, that seems to be a universal part of life. Absolutely. You know? um, Absolutely. Have you ever seen the movie, Matt, called Anima Lisa? Uh, yes. The, you're talking about the, 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 the stop motion. Like... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. What is it? I reckon it's, it's this, uh, man, you would love it, Steve. It's this movie. What's it called again? And I don't really know how to say this. Anomalisa, as well. Anom- a- a- yeah, anomaly, a- Anomalisa. I think it, it was on Netflix name. when I watched it. It might still be there. I'm not too sure. Yeah, like the word anomaly, but yep. Lisa, Anomalisa. Okay. Yep. Um, and I don't really know how to describe this, but the movie isn't about anything and nothing really happens. And you finish it and it's one of the greatest movies you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, it, it just hits you in a really real way. And I don't really know how to describe it, but that's how someone described it to me. I was like, oh, I suppose I'll just go watch it for myself. Mm. And then, yeah, you'll, you'll very quickly get All the picture. Of, uh, Charlie Kaufman films are very much like that. 
He's the guy who wrote it. Yeah. Right. What are the other ones? I would want to check out more. Uh, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adaptation. The other day, actually. Becoming John Malkovich. Uh, yep. Yeah. All written by the same guy. Did you like Eternal Sunshine? Yeah. Yeah. See, I I, th- I thought I used to. Yeah. And then I watched it again the other day and it just it just annoyed it didn't me. Work. Like the the nah like I watched it when I was like in year ten, like back when I was first loving, you know, like starting to actually properly study psychology. Yeah. And someone said to me, You should watch Eternal Sunshine Spotless Mind, because it's all about memory and what would happen if we took away our memories and who are we without them and mm. you know, the whole philosophy of the movie. Yeah. And I remember watching it thinking, Yeah, that was deep, that was cool, like that was something different. I watched it again the other day. I was like, man, this just this just gives me a headache. This is tough. This is a slog. This that's, is a slog. That's like a whole podcast in just like movies you thought were good until you rewatched them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, top of that list. Top of that list. And I hate to say it to anyone who thinks it's still good because I'm about to ruin it for you. Space Jam is one of the worst <laughs> movies awful. you will ever it watch. Is awful. <laughs> so you're not you're not going to be uh, front of the line for Space Jam two then? Yeah, I'll be front of the line, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but yeah, you know, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. I just feel like in this economic in this in the current social climate we're in, um, the amount of white privilege on this call probably shouldn't be uh, should probably shouldn't be slamming Space Jam does. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, but I think LeBron is playing the playing yeah. well the Michael Jordan character again. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or just yeah. the the basketball character. The basketball yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. It's good that's fun. It. Um, so thoughts at the moment, Sam. I would I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, you don't have to get too deep into it, but before we we're going to start this podcast, I was like, I reckon Sam will have an interesting point on this. Is and me and Steve were talking about this the other day is the world at the moment is in such an interesting, as far as our lives are concerned, the most interesting and most tense time we've ever been living through. Like it's such an interesting, if anything, if nothing else, it's just interesting um, to be living at the moment amongst what is going on, like coming off the back of a once in a hundred year pandemic uh, combined with Black Lives Matter. And in Australia, coming back off the tension of the bushfires that you know we've all seemed to have forgotten about, but people are still living within the ruins of. Um, what are you sort of seeing, Sam, at the moment? I, I, it's sort of like a vague question in general, but I know that you'll have a pretty interesting view on it all. Like how the how society's doing as a whole, or how we're all behaving, or yeah, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. That probably is more actually. You're probably more led to it there. How we're all behaving. How do you think? How do you think we're doing with all of this? And man, you don't have to say anything that you don't want to go into or whatever. But I know that you have an interesting view on human psychology and human behavior, similar to what I do. Absolutely, man. Society's crazy at the moment. It's absolutely it's it's bonkers and. Um, I find it fascinating how fast we oscillate between or, or culture oscillates between extremes right now. And it's, it's really interesting to watch. Uh, you, you nailed it, man. Um, what are my thoughts on it? Look, to tie it back to the, to the narrative that Steve was talking about, I think that when that there's a lot of space in society for people to discover that narrative for themselves. Um, and when there's a lack of that self-discovery and, and self-adventure, to, to face failure, people get restless, man. And people get a bit, get a bit nuts. So, you know, 
it's difficult because a lot of these issues we're seeing today are very serious. You know, we're, we're seeing things like coronavirus and Black Lives Matter and really serious social issues that society is rallying around at the moment. But um, I see a lot of unhappiness generally. And I think it relates back to that narrative that you guys were talking about around, you know, well, there's that call to adventure, there's the call into the unknown. And that's a narrative that's throughout humanity. And I think that there's a lot of people that aren't embracing that invention in adventure today. I think it's leading to a lot of, lot of unhappiness and a lot of restlessness and a lot of people looking for answers. So, yeah. A lot of people say that, um, I know that when coronavirus first started happening and the economy started to take a hit specifically, a lot of people had the comment to say of, we had it for, we had it too long for, no, we had it too good for too long. Yeah. And then now we're sort of really starting to experience a bit of hardship uh, economically, financially, et cetera. What do you think about that? Do you think that's, do you think that's the case? Do you think that uh, we had it too easy for too long and therefore it actually did lead to a bit of, um, shall we say, people not really needing to go on, uh, say, a difficult personal mm. journey because technology has made things really easy. Life can be super comfortable in a typical Western world, et cetera, the, the, everything that technology has done for us. Do you think that's related or do yeah, you think Yeah, I mean, like um, the, the, the challenge isn't thrust. The challenge isn't thrust upon us as much anymore. So in order to create these, these our own narrative or a social narrative, it's, it has to be willingly undertaken which is why I've got a, a lot of admiration for entrepreneurs or people pursuing things like the arts, because it's a, and it applies to a lot of disciplines actually, but it's a willingness to embrace the challenge. It's, it's willingly putting yourself in harm's way. You nailed it, Darcy. In today, it's, it's, it's a lot of it's a choice. Whereas maybe before it's like, you got to go undertake some sort of, let's call it an adventure or go out into the unknown, because if you don't, your family's not going to eat or, you know, you're going to get some sort of external threat coming to get you. So you had to do it, but now it's a choice. And I think that's why people don't want to choose to suffer and don't want to choose failure. But by the same token, then they're not choosing that sense of adventure. And so they're missing out on, this is just my opinion, they're missing out on sort of the, the good things that come with that failure. But I'm curious to ask you, Darcy, you mentioned the narrative that runs, like you and Steve were talking about the narrative that runs through humanity and the story that runs through humanity mm. and you reference that back to you know steve and i being religious do you have a take on that in terms of uh, maybe a secular take or a spiritual take what's your take on it yeah oh it's man it's such a such an interesting thing the first point i will say is when it came to coronavirus the thing that astounded me the most was how badly we as humans need connection and we need to be able to move like and those two things were stripped from us so quickly was we were, we weren't allowed to see each other and we weren't allowed to leave our houses. And it like, you could feel the tension immediately. People are like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What like, and it's like, well, you kind of have to just sit with the fact that this is what it is now. Mm -hmm. Thankfully in Australia, those restrictions started to ease a little bit. Um, But as far as, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, Shots one day fired. later. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're behaving ourselves in Queensland. We're, uh, we've got this <laughs> yeah. sorted. Yeah. The, uh, the thing that fascinates me, man, I'll always bring it back to the, the psychological narrative, is that whole idea of the hero's journey, which I know, Matt, obviously you would know. You'd probably know better than all of us. But um, the hero's journey obviously being, you know, everything's normal, then you face a challenge then you need to meet a mentor to help you beat that challenge. 
then you come and beat that challenge and then you're a new person, right? Is basically it in four or five steps. I think it's overall about nine or 12 steps, isn't 12. it? 12, it's, like it's like a, 12, weird, a, yeah. a circle. It's like the deal yeah. clock. The deal clock. That's it, <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I find that, I find that, um, I find that fascinating, man. And the way the world is right now in terms of how tense it is on the surface and all the things that are bubbling up to the surface, um, people's, people's opinions on things like coronavirus, you know, there was, you know, one fifth of people thought it was a conspiracy Two, the other, the other fifth thought it was, um, you know, the biggest disaster we'd ever experienced. Third, we're all worried about money. Fourth were, you know, not caring at all, except like there was all different people's reactions and behavior that went on because of it. Hmm. Um, and you see the same thing with Black Lives Matter. Uh, everyone has, or well, not everyone, but different people, different groups of people have different opinions. Different people have different views on what this all means for us. Different people have different views on how this should be solved or whether it even needs to be solved at all. Some people take the scientific approach. Others are taking a spiritual, others are taking societal. Like mm -hmm. these major, these major societal impacting experiences, two of which we're experiencing massively right now, they really bring, they highlight the psychology of people for better or for worse. They just highlight it and bring it to the surface in a way that nothing else can. Mm -hmm. And man, one of the biggest ones of those is narrative is what part of the narrative are we in right now? Cause we mm -hmm. ideally, ideally, and hopefully will reach some form of resolution on some level. If we're, you know, if we're talking about black lives matter at the moment, some ideally some resolution will be met. I don't know what that will be, but ideally I think in our heart of hearts, because we're humans, because we operate with such similar psychology underneath it all, I think what we're all looking for is probably the same thing. Mm. We just haven't figured out how that is the case yet. Mm. That's in an ideal world. Yep. Is that going to be the case? I don't know, but yeah, that's my thoughts. So do you think, think that's like, a so because you asked, uh, you asked me sort of from a religious perspective T to you is that is part of that narrative that, that we're on a journey as, on as a society right now is that um, how do you frame that in terms of maybe on a societal level and on an individual level? How do you perceive that Darcy through your scientific lens? Um, ask the question in a different way. Okay. Do you, do you feel like um, do you feel like the narrative that society's on and the narrative that individuals are on at the moment, um, so society, meaning the journeys we're going on as a, as a culture through um, the pandemics, you know, the, uh, social causes like Black Lives Matter and the like, and on an individual level, like you asked me before, in terms of the lack of challenge or maybe society's too easy now or we've got it too good, um, do you feel like, how do you perceive those things in terms of where we're at on the journey and do you think the root, how do you explain that through a scientific lens being at the root of it? Or do you take a different approach maybe? Oh, great question. Oh, that's got to be one of the best questions we've ever been asked as hosts. Um, I, 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 I tend to be um, a black and white kind of guy, um, much to my detriment a lot of the time, um, but it's a pretty fun way to live. You're like riding the roller coaster, you're either like right at the right at the top, or you've gone down to the bottom, or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think I in in that instance, I'm a man for 
believing that a lot of the time, I think we do this as individuals and it seems as though we tend to do it um, in groups and communities, which is this this build, 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 crash. Build, 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 crash. And it just seems to be this thing that we go up and then down, up and then down, right? You can literally look at the stock market. I mean, that's literally how the cycles of it literally look, is that that's what tends to happen, up, 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 and then crash. In like 10-year cycles, isn't it, Steve? And then 100-year cycles as a whole or something like, yep. something like that. Um, so I, that's, what I, that's what I'm sort of seeing the lens of this right now, is that things have been building and building and bubbling and bubbling, and it's just like almost like an emotion that if you suppress it for long enough, it's eventually going to start seeping out the top of you in some way or another. And once it starts to be, once it's been suppressed long enough, and those emotions have been pushed down long enough and they start to bubble to the surface, it's only so much long before you can suppress them just that last little bit before it fully blows up and fully fully blows over. Um, and I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing at the moment. You take coronavirus from a health perspective and it's kind of like, you know, everyone's got their, um, their differences of opinion on that, but I'd more take the approach of, um, you know, one of these people that thinks that our, our immune system's pretty good at doing what it does. Um, and if we are struggling to fight off a virus, then I would look at it. And this is very simplistic, very basic, by the way. Um, but I would look at it from a the perspective of, um, uh, do we need to re, uh, re-look at the way we analyze our health? You know, and, and has, has our health got to a point where we've ignored or suppressed little bits of it for long enough that eventually we need to then go, oh, crap, this virus has kicked in and it's actually, it's having a fair crack at a lot of us. Is there something we need to completely reassess? Is there something we need to stop suppressing or repressing about the way we're treating our health? Does that make sense? Yeah. And so is that, yeah, is that, so you're talking about a repression that sort of eventually spills over. Is that happening on the level, do you think, of, of society or do you think it's happening on the level of the individual? Or I think both. Mm-hmm. I think both. I mean, individuals make up a society at large. Mm-hmm. You know, That's just like saying, is this a business problem or a people problem? It's yeah. like business is made of people mm-hmm. is probably the way I'm seeing it. Again, very simplistic view, but... I think the main... The main I'm going to call it an issue, an issue multiplier... Is, is is the fact that so many people I, I think I think before COVID we were living in a hyper distracted, hyper fast world where you could very quickly fill your entire existence full of stuff and that would give you enough distraction to not actually notice the problems that were always there. And I think COVID give, gave everyone a major pause. And then from that point, we've all had months of actually stopping and reassessing, I think, system problems, uh, domino-related problems, so things causing things causing things. And I reckon that's, that's made everything become a perfect storm. I, I, just, I, just, I just think that the problems were always there. It's just that they've been massively ramped up, you know? And it's because we've had the time to stop and pause and reflect and think and listen 
And I think that's what's, I think that's been a major catalyst. Here's the concern. I think we're, I think you're right. I think we all want the same sort of outcomes. I think, I think we want, I think we all want to make the world a better place. Like I, I, I think the overwhelming majority want that. One, we suck at communicating it. Like how bad are we at communicating? Like that's one thing that's highlighted. Two, man, there's a call right now for good leadership. Like that's been a mass divide of like good and crap leadership. I think that's another thing that, that is massively evident. Um, but the, the concern is the concern is that there's not many people that know actually how to solve it. There's a lot of people that know how to talk about it, including us probably. Oh yeah. But I think what, I think what the, the major call is, is taking it mm. right back to an individual self community societal level and work out what change can you create in your own backyard i think like that's you, that's that's so, something that's so not spoken about enough key? 100% man we so communication is key yeah we suck at it okay and then number 1 we suck at it do you think there is a fear that people have to communicate their thoughts that goes along with that at the moment well of course because there's so many people afraid to even speak at all and that's a major that's a major problem when uh, mm. when mm. when you when you're no longer able to 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 explore really what it is it's actually stopping your ability to adventure because you're railroaded you're railroaded into one path <laughs> one direction with one one communication plan life doesn't work like that so mm. i think i think there's a major fear of people actually going hang on a sec can we can we talk about it in a slightly different lens can we talk about it from a slightly different perspective because i really want to solve this you know what i mean mm. um but the real concern is that we just continue to become so self-isolated so divided that nobody can communicate an actual successful plan forward that's yeah. that's the problem and then the only way i can see that solving is we start focusing on the direct people we have influence on <laughs> And if we all do that, well, then we might see some ripple change happening. But I, yes. I don't see that happening. I see a lot of megaphone blasting mm -hmm. and nobody knows who their neighbor is. Mm. Like, good luck. You're going to try and fix the world, but you can't fix your... Like, you can't, you can't work mm. on your neighborhood. Like, that, that's yeah. an astounding problem. Like, that's a crazy problem. Um, mm -hmm. but I think a far more practical solution, you know what I mean? That's, that's my two, yeah, that's my two cents on it. The, Start closer. It's the home. only thing you have effect over. Really? If you, if, and really, if you want to start of it, like you are the only person you actually have true control over change with. Mm. But I think that goes back to the original comment of the failure side of things is, we want this perfect life, which I think is the social media fuel, the marketing fuel, forever, <laughs> forever drowning out bad stuff, always looking for the better solution. You know, it's a whole big mess, man. What a mess. What's the mess you guys are seeing is particularly like Darcy and Clay, you've both kind of touched on it. It'd be cool to get Matt's opinion as well. Like what, what are you guys kind of seeing is underlying that or, or what is the mess we're in and what, I mean, part of the, we've discussed part of the issues, but what's the root of it? What's underlying this? And 
are we presupposing something that's not there? Is society actually really good and like we're chasing ghosts? Or what do you guys reckon? It's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. I think I think we do. I think we do. Um, here's the real question, right? Do we? Do you believe the world is becoming a better place or a worse place? And I think, depending on how far you can dig back those layers and actually work out what side on the fence. Like if you had to force yourself on one side of the fence, you're going to see two very different worlds right now. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, you know, I believe the world's becoming a better place. I think, mm-hmm. I think the world that my kids are growing up in right now is full of tremendous opportunity that people mm-hmm. did not have. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. When we talk about white privilege, it's very real, but I just think we fail to recognize the privilege we even have in a Western society, like just, you know, you know, in a place where we've got internet, in a place like all of this sort of stuff, like, uh, you know, I, I think the world's becoming a, a better place, um, mm-hmm. but I'm curious to know what everyone else thinks. Well, if you take the narrative approach, the whole idea that, sometimes it needs to get a lot more difficult before you come out the other side a whole lot better. Then even when it appears like it's going backwards or turning into one big massive fried egg scramble, in actual fact, that could be the pass backwards, the proverbial pass backwards in rugby to be able to run 10 feet forwards. Exactly. You know? So I'm with you, Steve. And every time we've had this discussion, I love where this discussion leads once we've had three beers and a chicken schnitzel at the pub. (laughs) Um, because so often it's my, my answer is the same is I do believe the world is becoming a better place always. I I much prefer that angle on life rather than the other option, which is that it's becoming worse because if it's becoming worse, what's the point in continuing? But a lot of, a lot of people believe that bro. Like there's people literally that are saying, we don't want children because we don't want to bring children into this world. Yeah. I'm like, but but to me, like. Isn't that the problem? <laughs> like, how are we expecting to solve any of the world's problems if we think it's just on a path to ultimate despair and destruction? And this is where I think the religion... I think this is where religion is a fundamental part of actually solving a lot of these problems because as a Christian, as a, as a guy of faith, you know, we believe in the redemption story that, you know, things can be broken and can be made whole, <laughs> you know, things can go from a depraved state into something that's so much more life-giving, you know, and I think if we give up, if we give up on the idea that the world is just doomed, well, of course, we're going to see a world full of narcissistic tendencies where we're all running our own race. We all want to fight each other and grab as much control as we can, because that's the mm. only option you've got. Pillage and grab as much as you bloody mm. can, because nobody's going to make it out alive and the place is doomed anyway. You know mm. what I mean? It's mm. like it, it actually makes sense to go and just be destructive because heading there anyway, I might as well help it get there. You know what I mean? You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so true. Do you man. think, Steve, yeah. if that's the case, um, do you do you think if that's the case, do you think you could say to a lot of people that think the world is going, you know, going that way? Yeah. Do you think you could challenge them by asking, well, or or saying your actions don't actually map to that belief because you're still here, you're still being a nice person, you're still trying your best. 
Yeah. I I I think I think that would be be common. Yeah, that they would say that it's becoming worse, but then don't continue to live that way. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are currently seeing the world through the lens of just pure nihilism. <laughs> We're doomed. Mm-hmm. It's all over. Screw it. Stuff it. Which points people away from the personal responsibility they can take over their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you solve a problem is by taking personal responsibility, right? It's the only way it's solved. And so the way I'd challenge anyone listening, go, man, not the world's getting a worse place. Give up then. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> now that's brutal, but not the, of course they're gonna go, no, no, but I wanna work on it. I wanna I wanna make this I wanna make this better. Yes, you can. Mm. That's the point. Can you can you can you serve someone today? Can you help someone today? Can you serve yourself today in a way that means you're going to take sacrifice today for a better future? I think so much falls into place when people take that mentality. Like as a metaphor, as a metaphor, that's just fitness. That's health. Put yourself in pain today so you have a better future tomorrow and do it willingly. Like, yeah, (laughs) like get into it. I, I think I think what the biggest thing here, and this is why I'm pretty passionate about this topic. I don't really care if I'm saying the wrong things to people. People have to step up and lead. And I'm not saying you need to go into politics. I mean, like, take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for your business. Like, serve your community. Like, serve the people around you. It's the only way out of it. I really believe that. Nice one, man. What, thought, what are your thoughts, Matt? Um, Steve summed up pretty much pretty much exactly what I was thinking. Um, I think we need more, like more theology, more like u- unified identity. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, I see a lot of problems with postmodernism that we live in, where like everything is subjective. Yeah. Um, like, uh, oh, what's the analogy? Like, um, we both look at one object, but we both see something different and it can never be the same to two different people like i don't think that that really works yeah yeah and then the logic <laughs> is because we see it differently it means that thing can't exist at all yeah like yeah. There's, there's no logic to it yeah so i think yeah. like I, th- I think there is like a bit of a lack of identity going on and that's mm, um, yes well said like w- what that uh in particular should be or could be for the solution i'm not entirely sure like maybe maybe steve's right when he says like um what was the word you used um like ad- like admitting that you can like you yourself are the solution yeah like maybe that could be an identity that that, that we all get behind yeah well that actually that's an interesting idea matt i like that because that kind of goes back to the original idea when you're saying in regards to adventure you go out on an adventure, you inevitably face failures and that teaches you something about yourself and the world around you. I reckon so much of, so many of us have been like looking in the mirror or at least had the time to look in the mirror and go, well, who am I then? What do I believe in? And I reckon a lot of people are drawing blanks, man. I, I reckon you've mm-hmm. nailed that. I reckon people are going, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I stand for. I don't know my identity. Like I reckon there's, mass mass confusion it's pretty in, it's pretty nuts and 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 with with that comes like a um like you flip 
so so often even i find i do it like i could i could watch a film say here's my opinions but then as soon as i read a critic's opinion of it then immediately switch because i think theirs is the better one to follow mm. kind of thing <laughs> That's like that's like loving a song until you find out Good Charlotte sang it, and then you're like, yeah. "Oh, I don't really like that song anymore." <laughs> it's Nickelback. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Thoughts, Sam? Yeah, man, that's so well said. You know, Matt and Steve. Um, in terms of that loss of identity and that nihilism and that and the postmodern approach, I mean, when there's no truth and then you can't have any identity because. Essentially, the postmodern view is that, well, nothing's true or everything's true or depends how you look at it. And essentially, if you take that stance, then you have to take it all the way down to an individual level. So it starts with you. Then you've got no identity. If you've got no identity, then you've got no place in society and you've got no place in society, then that leads you down a dark path very quickly. Um, and I feel like that's it's so well said by you guys because it's, it is in that adventure that you, that's where the thing you discover is actually yourself. Um, and that's why to, 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 know, to go back to that, well, why do we eat failure intentionally? Why do we love it? And Steve saying he loves it. Um, and I know what he means when he says that, even though when I say, well, I don't love it, I think we're on the same page. It, it means that the sacrifice that you make in terms of the failure is worth it to discover more of who you are. And it's mm. not an egotistical thing of discovering more of who you are. It's literally just uncovering more of um, your connection to everyone, your connection to what you're capable of and your connection of, you know, what meaning is. Yeah. And I think from that place, well, then society trans to, starts to transform from the ground up. Mm. But if you, at the individual level, instead of taking that perspective of adventure and discovery of the self, of, of more of what you're capable of, you choose the opposite path and say, well, nothing's true, nothing's real, truth is subjective, then very quickly, you're going to say, well, none of this matters. And if none of this matters, then as Steve pointed out, it works its way up the ranks of society. Um, so I believe that the, um, mm. I believe that it, yeah, it, it does start with us. It does start on each one of us taking up our piece of responsibility and through that being willing to undergo some sort of failure, which as you mentioned, Darcy was like, well, um, you know, the failure, oh, sorry, I forgot you said before Darcy about, taking on failure um, willingly. But essentially through that journey is how you discover who you are and how you find your place in society and it mm. stops society from crumbling. So, mm. have, you heard of, um, have you heard of Antifa? Yeah. You've heard of, have you heard of them, Sam? Yeah. That fascinating. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast the other day. Can we get through um, one episode where we don't say those words? Yeah, I was I listening to a Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan podcast, podcast the other day. And he Are you had, guys Joe Rogan fans? Oh yeah, Massive. yeah. Massive. Yeah. He Look, had um, white. He held he had <laughs> Oi, hey. Hands off Joe. <laughs> um uh, he had Bill Burr on and uh Bill Burr hadn't heard of Antifa. And uh he was just like Joe explained that he's you know like they're anti fascist and they do all these crazy things. And then Bill's like, Really? Like they fight they fight fascism with fascism then and uh and uh they were just having a laugh and i was just like man that sounds like a because they're obviously an extreme group right now or at least that donald trump has made them so in the media um but so much of uh of a perspective on something or so when when it sounds like when there is no objective truth you can be anti-fascist by being a fascist, you know, because it's yeah, like, mm -hmm. well, this is just my view on it. I'm, I'm subjectively yeah. not that, but objectively I am whatever, you know? 
major, majorly nonsensical. Mm. You know, it's the it's the challenge challenge we challenge we all face. It's interesting how all of these little conversations are tied together. Because when you were talking about that before, so I was like, it's interesting. You go out there on this adventure. The adventure is called life. People are naturally drawn towards the things that they love doing and some people find that other people don't believe that to be a possibility for them mm-hmm. let's say you you get lucky and you f- pursue the things you love you're naturally going to get knocked down a gazillion times and there's going to be all the curveballs in the world but those that that form of suffering gives meaning <laughs> to the story and the adventure it also gives mm-hmm. pur- it also gives purpose because you've got a direction that you're aiming for. And lastly, it gives you truth. That's why I love failure. Because it gives me, mm. tr- it gives me truth. <laughs> like mm. if, if I've figured out what doesn't work, that is truth. That is useful. Mm. That's mm. something that is good for me. You know what I mean? But if we don't take truth as being objective, it's always subjective. You even knock that out. There's no learning. There's no progress. You know what I mean? And so we get into this Absolutely. major, this major hot air spin. This is the other thing I've recognized. There's actually zero value in pointing out problems. Everyone has the ability to do it. Mm. But next to no one knows how to put together a solution to the problems they identify. Mm, but, nice. we've put, but we've put problem finding on a pedestal. Nah, anyone can do it. It's actually mm-hmm. very low value. We're all mm-hmm. capable of finding yeah. it. Show me the people that have got a bloody solution to this thing let them speak up and if you don't maybe think about it for a little bit longer before you go spouting all the problems into the world and in you know that what I mean? interesting like, steve it's like those bringing up the problem because it's a lot easier to do it's typically a lot louder and super therefore easy simply gets it noticed a whole lot more I really, I really every time the solution comes along it's like yeah 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 yeah. but forget that yeah rabble <sighs> problem yeah <laughs> And I think, I think that's the truth, man. Like, I, I think if you went to a lot of people that are being very noisy right now and ask them, cool, so what do we do about it? You'd get that. You just get silence. Mm-hmm. I think people don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. We've got to step up with some actual practical solutions here and actually start driving some things forward. And I think that's the only way out of it. Well said, man. Is that, uh, is that kind of why you, Sam, got into renewables? Um, not particularly, man. Like, if I'm honest, it wasn't really uh, an environmental thing. <laughs> Look, it's nice. It, it lines up with um. It, it's obviously it lines up with doing doing great things, being being there for the environment. But no, it was purely business, and it was technology, and it's the future. So I think that's really cool, and that's why business led down that path um, of renewables. But it's it's cheaper, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. Yeah, definitely. Like in terms of installation and maintenance and everything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So solar panels today are ridiculously good in terms of how fast you get your money back and all the rest of it um, and good for the environment. So in terms of business, it's obviously great to be able to be in a business where, you know, it's economic, it's um, good for the environment, it's good for me. So it works on all fronts and I think that's really makes it a lot easier. I mean, I've had to sell things in the past. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this who've been in sales could probably relate that selling something you're not completely aligned with is one of the worst things you'll ever have to do to yourself um if you can do it yeah so i love so that awesome if you can do it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 
Hey, uh, hey, Sam, we have two questions we like to ask every guest. Uh, two very, very interesting questions here. Lad. Very keen to see how, where you take these. Steve's got the first one. Go for it, Steve. Let's do it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's in the context of truth. So I think you're going to like this one. But uh, yeah, here's the first question. What's something that you've come to know and believe to be true that you know a bunch of other people would simply disagree with? Oh, that the truth is real. Oh! Go on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's what we've spoken about today. There's, there's a massive disagreement that truth exists. Um, and like you said, Clay, when you go on that journey into the unknown, whatever field you're in, and you hit failure, well, then you discover truth inevitably. And the more truth you discover, the more meaning that you get. So I would say that, that believing that truth exists today is in itself... Um, something that a lot of people would disagree with, that there isn't an objective truth, there, a subjective truth, so that everything's objective, yeah. Isn't it crazy, hey, like, that, that, that's spot on, I love it. But there'd be so many people turning in their graves right now, wondering what happened to the world that we're even now <laughs> talking about truth yeah. itself. Like, they spent their whole lives pursuing truth, defending truth, you know, all of the great philosophers, you know, they, they, they put it out there. Now we're like, no, nah, truth doesn't exist at all. They'd be like, what happened? What happened to the world? <laughs> oh, man, Clay. So, so Clay, I'm at, um, so I'm also studying psych part-time at, at Swinburne Uni. And to talk about the postmodernism of, of academia today is insane. So the last assignment I had to write was on basically, is knowledge real? And the conclusion that they push you to draw is that, well, there's no such thing as knowledge. You can't know anything and there's no truth. And so it's even like at the so highest why are we levels. Doing this, why are we doing this subject? Ah, exactly. <laughs> let's just all go. Let's all go home and eat McDonald's, you know, because, but it's crazy. And like, and that's so true that, you know, when you write, not only do we have to write an essay on is truth. $22,000 for that academia, degree, 22 grand <laughs> just to write an essay on does truth exist, which where you're saying, Steve, that's crazy. Like that we even have to have that discussion yet. Not only do I have to write that essay, the answer they want me to give to that essay is actually the opposite of what's logical. <laughs> so it's crazy. Right. Education, it's, it's cooked. Ready for a change, I'd say. Yeah, it's cooked as. Uh, question number two, uh, Sam, is what is something that you currently hold and believe to be true, but that you sense yourself starting to let go of? Ooh. I'd say, um, I'd say, oh, first thing that comes to mind is religiosity, which I, I think as a, as a Christian is something that you're always trying to reduce in your life. And that's, you know, not living so much by the rules of religion, um, as much by the essence of religion. So that's something that. At this point in my life, I'm I'm letting go more of that, mm. and it's scary and it's and it's difficult because whenever you let go of that those things, which you're like, well, these are the rules, these are dogmatic rules that I have to follow. There's always that feeling of, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this correct? What? And then you start to question truth itself, and you get into that whole. Well, we're back where we started, but mm. essentially, yeah, that's it for me. And then mm. before you know it, you're writing a psychology assignment at uni about whether or not truth exists. Yeah, and then 
We're here. <laughs> Man, it's uh, yeah. this has been a pleasure. Sam, I must say you've you've asked us some ripping questions back, which we always enjoy having guests on that are able to fire them back at the level you are, man. So thank you so much for joining us, bro. This was a blast. Yeah. No worries, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been it's been deep. Would you be, people, uh, would you, uh, would you be keen ahead, to come back? It. Would you be keen to come back for future episodes, bro? We've got a we seem to we seeming to attract a few uh, a few people to the Pursuit of Love podcast that I reckon there'll be some interesting further discussions in the future. I'd love to see a uh, a Sam Jack Wilson conversation oh, going on. What a pairing! Yeah, one hundred percent, man. But look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to go to uni and get brainwashed and come back with with to you with a whole <laughs> lot of new wacky ideas. Like, does truth exist? <laughs> it's like we can we can we can put the we can put episode one and future episode together and be like, bro, none of this is lining yeah. up anymore. They've, yeah. Nah, they've got, he's lost it. He's lost it. <laughs> man, Where can uh, people find you, mate? Yeah, in terms of in terms of business, where's best place to go? I know you create quite a good bit of content on the solar world solar um on facebook we're sky energy systems um but yeah i mean if people want to know about renewables have any questions reach out reach out on, on the facebook or the instagram and i mean business is something i'm hugely passionate about i love chatting to you guys about it it's it's, it's really awesome to be able to have friends that are similar age on a similar path with similar sort of um, questions about the world so yeah i mean i really appreciate you guys having me and if anyone wants to reach out and have a chat. That's where you find me. Thanks, Love it, man. mate. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. it. Bye.